just like to welcome everyone who's joining us for our live stream here today at Chelsea Community Church with City Temple. If you'd like to join us for the whole service via Zoom, drop us an email, or you can just come down in person at Chelsea Community Church on Sundays at 11 a.m. If you have your Bible with you, let's go again to 1 Peter uh, chapter 4, and today we're going to read verses 7 to 11. 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 7 to 11. Before we read, let's pray. Gracious God, thank you so much for your word. I pray, Father, that your Holy Spirit would rest on me, that I can proclaim your word boldly and faithfully to your people today. And I pray, Lord, that our hearts would be open and our minds alert to everything you would say to us and to receive your Holy Spirit's empowerment for our lives this day. We love you and praise you. And pray all these things through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. We continue here in our study in 1 Peter uh, called uh, Stranger Aliens. And we're going to pick up in chapter 4, verse 7. Chapter 4, verse 7. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, Keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. In order that in everything, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Well, as you know, we've been talking about Christians, uh, how we live in a post-Christian society, and how Peter has called us aliens. He used that word, we're resident aliens, and we're talking about how God then has placed us in this world as aliens, as resident aliens. And it's been a good opportunity for me to use a lot of science fiction because I'm quite a science fiction fan. And anybody who watches science fiction knows that aliens are always sent out with a mission. They're sent to the earth with a mission or they're sent out from the earth with a mission. The most famous is the mission of Star Trek, you know, which is probably my favorite, my favorite science fiction of all time. You know, the mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no man has gone before. Apologies to the women. They did change that later on. Uh, but uh, uh, so that's, you know, that's a big mission. But you know, God has sent us into this world as aliens with a mission as well. And it's expressed in a number of different ways. I mean, one of the most famous ones is there, uh, uh, well, one, the first one, the very first mission that God sent us on was there in Genesis chapter one. And God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. That's a mission statement. Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. And by subdue it, 
God didn't mean abuse it. God didn't mean strip it. God meant manage it according to his will and for his glory. But we kind of forgotten that as human beings with our sin. Of course, for us as Christians, one of the most famous mission statements is there in Matthew chapter 28. Uh, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, or literally disciple the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe or obey all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Now that sounds like an alien statement, doesn't it? You know, because only somebody like Jesus could say, I'm going to be with you always to the very end of the age. And we kind of think, well, that's the only mission that Jesus spoke, but it's not. He uh, spoke to the disciples on another occasion. We see in Mark chapter 16, he says to them, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. To the whole creation. You know, in, in part, that means we proclaim the gospel to the trees. Do you ever think about that? We proclaim the gospel to the rivers and to the lands which is kind of strange, but we can do it. Uh, so the next time you're out uh, in Hyde Park, walking hopefully by yourself, just start proclaiming the gospel to the trees there because uh, they need to hear it right now, right? Uh, so that's a great mission. Or we could kind of simplify it the way that we said Peter, Peter gave us a mission. And we summarized that a couple of weeks ago, Peter's mission that he gave us. Uh, Peter says, bless others and witness to Jesus. I like that one because it's pretty simple. Bless others and witness to Jesus. So no matter where you are, whether you're at work or you're at school, wherever you are in this world, your mission is bless others and witness to Jesus. Bless others, tell them about Jesus. Bless them and share Jesus. Uh, now the other thing about aliens is that, as I mentioned to the kids, we know that all aliens have superpowers. Because if you're an alien without a superpower, because they crucify aliens, you're dead meat, right? You know, so you gotta have a superpower if you're an alien, otherwise you'll just be consumed by the places that you invade. You know, so aliens have superpowers. Now sometimes it's super intelligence, and sometimes it's super technology. That's where Star Trek gets away with it. They've got super technology. You know, sometimes uh, their superpowers, like a, a Captain America, who I forget how he gets his superpower, but he got it somehow. He like died and was frozen and then came back with some stuff that had been injected in him. And, and so he comes back superpower. Then Superman gets his superpower by being under a different sun. And uh, you know, all these things, you know, you, it shows you how much I watch all of these and I'm immersed in all of this, uh, in all of this uh, technology. You know, so there's a, a real diversity of superpowers, but every alien needs superpowers to help them carry out their mission. Without superpowers, you're gonna fail in your mission. Well, the good news for us as Christians, by God's grace and the Holy Spirit, God has given us superpowers. So God doesn't just send us into the world as weak, helpless, foolish people. God sends us into the world as resident aliens with certain superpowers. And the superpowers that God gives, by the way, he gives to the church. 
We often mistake God's superpowers as given to individuals. God gives his superpowers to the church, to us together, because he wants us to stick together. You know, one of my favorite sayings was uh, attributed to Ben Franklin on the eve of the uh, uh, revolution, which uh, apologies to all of those of you who are ethnic English uh, for mentioning the American Revolution. But uh, he says, he says, gentlemen, we must all hang together or we most certainly shall all hang separately. And that's true for us as Christians. We need to hang together because together we get our superpowers. And when these are understood correctly and used according to the word, these things really are superpowers. They're very, very effective. There's a power to them that comes not because we're good people. It comes not because we do the right things or do the right dance or say the right formula. It comes to us by the grace of God in the power of the Holy Spirit through faith in Jesus Christ. By God's grace through the Holy Spirit and faith in Jesus Christ. And Peter here in this passage mentions four key superpowers. Now you could probably mention a few more than these, but these for Peter, he's saying these for you resident aliens, you're gonna need these superpowers. And you need these superpowers when you're together and you need these superpowers when you minister to anybody, even outside the, uh, outside the fellowship, you need these four superpowers. And you can follow it in the text. The first superpower is focused, disciplined prayer. Superpower number one, focused, disciplined prayer. Almost everybody understands uh, the, the, the armor of God, right? You got the belt of truth and the breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation. And then Paul goes on and talks about prayer. Now, I believe that prayer is actually part of the armor of God. But why didn't he identify it with a piece of armor? Because thermonuclear devices had not been developed then. Prayer is so powerful. Right now, we're hearing a lot about nuclear weapons. And there's a lot of fear going around. We need to be praying for it because the power of prayer is greater than the power of any nuclear device. And we need to understand that, and we don't. The problem is it needs to be focused, disciplined prayer. Now, the word for prayer, it refers to all kinds of prayers. So worship is a form of prayer. Intercession is a form of prayer. Uh, meditation can be a form of prayer. Uh, praying the scriptures is a form of prayer. There's lots of different forms of prayer, but Peter is saying, if they wanna be effective, they need to be focused and disciplined. I mean, the war has been on our minds and we've seen that. And we understand if you're gonna win a war and you're gonna lob missiles, to win the war, you need those missiles to be focused and disciplined. You can't just lob missiles willy-nilly. And we don't often think about that when we're thinking about the world that we live in. But we need to pray. Prayer is powerful and effective, according to the scripture. 
Prayer is powerful and effective. We need to pray, but most of the time, our prayers are like lobbing little hand grenades here, there, or everywhere. They achieve nothing because they're not focused and disciplined. God bless mommy, bless daddy. What does it mean to bless you? Do you ever think about that? Bless, you never pray a prayer for God to bless me. Because you know what? Paul says it's better for me to die and go to be with the Lord than it is for me to live. So if I die, that's a blessing because I know where I'm going, I'm going to Jesus. And so if you're just saying, oh Lord, please bless Rod, please bless Rod, I'll be dodging buses or whatever. You know, so you gotta, and you know, I'm, I'm kind of kidding about it, but it's actually very, very serious. In our prayers, they need to be focused and disciplined. And that's what Peter says there. He says, you know, be self-controlled, be sober-minded. He's talking about how we pray, how we pray. Be self-controlled, sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. In other words, so that your prayers are effective, we need to be self-controlled. That means to be mentally disciplined. You need to be able to control your urges, you know, to master yourself. That's what that word means. It's a mental focus to it. And a lot of times, one, one thing that somebody shared with me years and years ago, they said, if anybody sits down, and you've been with this, somebody who's asked to pray grace, and five minutes later, they say amen, and, you know, it's like, oh, Lord, thank you for this food. And by the way, end the war in Ukraine and uh, uh, change, the, change the evil regime in North Korea and, oh, you know, feed the people in Africa and, and bless mommy and daddy and everybody else. Uh, you know what that shows you? That somebody's not been praying in private. They're not focused, they're disciplined in their prayers. Now I've clued you in on that. So any of you who pray for the meals now shouldn't be praying long prayers. We gotta be focused and we disciplined. The other thing is being sober-minded. This means to be clear-headed and clear-thinking, not intoxicated. And we often think about that as being intoxicated with drugs or alcohol, and certainly it can refer to that. But it also means not being intoxicated with all kinds of thoughts and ideas. And you know, there's some people I've seen, they spend so much time on social media, so much time watching what YouTube says about something that they never think about what the Bible says about something. And you can't pray YouTube, but you can pray the scriptures. And so our prayers need to be focused and disciplined. We need to be sober-minded. And we need to make sure that we're focusing in on what God wants us to pray. One of my favorite quotes that I always misquote, but that's okay, I've misquoted it for decades now, so I'll keep doing it. From Alexander Pope, he says, a little knowledge is a dangerous thing. Drink deep from the Pyrian spring, for shallow drafts intoxicate the brain, but drinking largely sobers us again. And that means that we need to go deep in the knowledge of the Lord, drink deep from God's word so that we can pray with focus and know what we're praying about. And the lack of disciplined focused prayer is a real issue. And it's the reason why a lot of times a lot of people fail, a lot of people struggle. So that's our superpower. 
That's one of the greatest things. Another one of my favorite quotes. Oh, and I, I knew I was going to forget this guy's name. So forgive me, guy, because I know he's with the Lord. Uh, that history belongs to the intercessors. People who pray shape history. Christians who pray shape reality beyond what we can know because of the grace of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. And that means, by the way, you don't even have to pray it absolutely right because Jesus will take your prayer and perfect it. Don't worry about it. Just pray. Be focused and disciplined. Then Peter says we got a second superpower. Superpower number two is love. That's a great superpower, love. But we need to understand what it is. Love, biblically, it's the word agape. You all have probably heard the different Greek words for love. I won't teach that right now. But it's the word agape, which indicates a zealous, self-giving commitment to others for their benefit. We're committed to other people. Not about your feelings. Not about what you want to do. It's not about how appealing that person is. You zealously commit yourself to other people and work for their benefit. That's what love is all about. And that's a superpower. And again, it's something that comes by the grace of God in the power of the Holy Spirit through faith in Jesus Christ because Jesus is the perfect example of it in his death on the cross. And Peter says that this love, you have to keep on doing it. In order for this superpower to work, you got to keep on, it's like a laser beam. You know, you can kind of shoot a laser and it could just bounce off something. But if you focus the laser and keep it going, you know, it will accomplish what it's supposed to accomplish. And that's the same way with love. You can bounce off love uh, around different people, but when you focus it in, that's when it accomplishes what God wants to accomplish. So keep on loving, be persistent and determined with your love and do it earnestly. In other words, put your whole self into it. Don't do it half-heartedly. Don't mess around with it, but love. And by the way, love is a choice. That's how you can do it. You can love. You choose. You say, God, I'm going to love this person. Even if they're unlovable, I'm going to love them. And you make that choice and you follow through with it. And Peter says this superpower, one of the great things that it accomplishes is this. Love covers a multitude of sins. Love covers a multitude of sins. Now you think, okay, does this mean that if we love people, we're just going to ignore sin? No. Does this mean if we love people, we tolerate sin? No. We do not tolerate sin. We cannot ignore sin. It's there. Sin must be dealt with. So Peter is not cheapening sin here. He's not cheapening the cross of Christ. But what happens when you love somebody, when you love someone, it covers over their sin so you don't focus on their sin, allowing God to focus on their sin. For example, I could use myself, I could use Karen, I will. Okay, using my wife, Karen. 
Now, many of you don't know this, but Karen is not perfect. I know it's a shock. And I know that I, I don't want to scandalize anybody, but sometimes she sins. It happens. I know. By the way, I do too, and I know you all do too as well. But what I have found, when I focused my love on my wife, I don't see her sin. I see who she is. I see her needs. I see the woman that God made her to be. And when I focus on that, that focus of love kind of blinds me to her sin so that God then will come in and bring repentance into her life. And it's a very rare occasion, maybe only three or four times in 37 years of, ministry, of, of marriage, 37 plus years of marriage, that I then, I later have to say, Karen, you know, I, I think I've seen this sin in your life. Can we talk about it, deal with it? Now, I know people in relationships that all the time they're pointing out the sin. If somebody's pointing out the sin, you know what it tells me? They don't love enough. Now, it doesn't mean that I won't ignore, that I will ignore sin. Clearly, all of you know that there comes a time when I feel like, okay, I have to address a sin issue in someone's life. But it's at that point in time where addressing the sin issue becomes an act of love. And I will never address a sin issue in someone's life. If someone in the church, I will never address a sin issue in your life if I haven't gone through the process of loving you to cover over that sin. There's a bit of a process to it, but it works. And you know what? This is what we're designed to do. If we have a church where we're so focused on loving each other that we're not seeing one another's sins, that allows God to come behind that love and start to convict us so that we will repent of our sins. And we'll walk in freedom. And it's the security of loving somebody, of showing them that love that gives them the freedom to deal with their sin issues because they understand I don't have to cover my sin issues. I can deal with my sin issues with God because the love that God's shown me and the love that others are showing me are covering over my sin issues. Though because others have covered me, I can afford to be exposed and deal with this issue. I hope, this, I hope you understand what I'm saying because this is such a foundational thing. It's like loving someone makes sin disappear. And when sin appears... And when you start seeing the sinfulness, maybe it's in your spouse, maybe it's in a friend, maybe it's in another uh, church person. When you start seeing that sin issue and want to start calling it out, I guarantee you, you're not being loving. Too often we hear people say, oh, I want to speak the truth in love. And you, all, you know, if someone says that to you, two things are true. One, they're not going to speak the truth. And two, it's not going to be in love. Because love covers over a multitude of sins. So that's superpower number two. Now, so we've got focused, disciplined prayer, and we have love. Superpower number three. 
Hospitality. Hospitality. Uh, I love this about Star Trek. You know, so often in Star Trek, you get these belligerent alien species and they're invited up onto the deck of the Enterprise or something like that. And they're like, oh, wow, this is great. Okay, uh, we'll, we'll be friends with you guys. Now, sometimes, oh, wow, this is great. You could obliterate us. We'd be friend, we'll be friends with you guys. But most of the time, it's that hospitality. It's that welcoming in, welcoming them onto the ship that kind of softens their hearts and makes them think, okay, maybe we can work with these guys. And so Peter says that our third superpower as the body of Christ is showing hospitality to other people. And hospitality basically means helping people feel welcome and safe. Seeking their welfare while they're in your midst and sharing what you have in the moment. That's the key. That's the heart of hospitality. Somebody who experiences hospitality, they come, they know that they're welcome. They know that it's a safe place. They know that you want the best for them. And if they have a need, a present in the moment that you can help meet, you'll share what you have to help meet that need. You know, it doesn't mean that you do everything that they demand or anything like that. Uh, but that's the core. That's the essence of it. And we are to show hospitality, especially to one another. And Peter says, for this superpower to work, you got to do it without grumbling or complaining. You can't say, oh, I don't like this person. I don't like the way they behave. Or they're different than I am. Uh, you know, that, that, that negates the superpower. That negates the superpower. Now, two things to understand about hospitality biblically. Number one, it's not based on reciprocity. Jesus said that in Luke chapter 14 and the parable about a banquet. That if you're throwing a banquet, don't invite all the people who can invite you to a banquet. Invite all the, the poor and the people, the, the lame, the unwanted, those kinds of people. Those are the people you invite to your banquet. So it's not about reciprocity. So we don't show hospitality so that we'll be welcomed hospitably. It's one of the reasons why we don't take an offering as a church. No, because I don't want people who are guests with us to feel like they have to give because we've welcomed them in the fellowship. Or that I don't want people who are welcomed into this church to think, well, you're only welcoming me because I'm going to give you a few quid in the, in the offering plate. We want to welcome people. Now, the other dynamics, it's not about reciprocity, but also it's not about people taking advantage of you, being uh, what you might call like a parasite, you know, just kind of sucking you dry and everything like that. As Paul says very clearly in 2 Thessalonians 3, he says, if anyone is not willing to work, he shall not eat. So the expectation here is that everybody contributes, that everybody's a part of this, especially as it, as it continues on. But hospitality is a superpower. And there are people who are one to faith by the hospitality of the body of Christ more so than they're one to faith by the proclamation of the gospel in and by itself. Now, we even have ministries in our midst uh, that are based on that. That's a core part of their outreach strategy. And even for us at City Temple, 
that's been a core part of our outreach strategy, to reach out by welcoming in. Because hospitality for the body of Christ is a superpower. A superpower. And the fourth superpower that Peter mentions, there's a lot of them, uh, but the fourth one that he mentions, we'd say is a variety of spiritual gifts. And it's interesting, Peter does not enumerate the spiritual gifts. He just says that there's a whole bunch of them. There's a variety of them. It's kind of like the X-Men. I don't know if you follow the X-Men franchise, but in the X-Men franchise, it's about these mutant people. But everybody has a different mutation. You know, somebody are, some are super stretchy and some can almost teleport or they go invisible. Uh, you know, there's all kinds of different mutations. And the thing about the X-Men, if they're just by themselves, they're vulnerable. But if they're together with all their diverse mutations, they become very strong in unity. And I'm not saying that we're all mutants, although I don't know. Uh, but, uh, but in the same way, God has given us a variety of spiritual gifts, of spiritual gifts. Now, a spiritual gift, it's literally a grace gift, a charismata, a little expressions of God's grace. So every time you use a spiritual gift, it's an expression of the grace of God given to you to give to somebody else. The grace gift is not for you. It's for other people. It's a Holy Spirit given and empowered ability to minister to others in various ways. It's not your talent. It's not your natural ability. Worst sermon I ever heard on spiritual gifts was given by a pastor many, many years ago who was talking about jogging. The whole sermon was about jogging. And the conclusion was that jogging was his spiritual gift. I'm like, no, it's not. That's not a spiritual gift. It's not your natural talent or ability. Uh, Or if it's based on some of that, God takes it to the next level beyond what you can do in and of yourself, by yourself. It's grace-based and it's a genuine superpower because it's a Holy Spirit-empowered gift. And Peter says here that we, each one of us, are stewards We are responsible to lead and use our spiritual gift according to God's will in obedience to Jesus Christ. And also means the idea of steward. If you're a steward, it means also that you can learn and grow in your use of a spiritual gift. The more you use it, the better you can become at using it. And if you don't use it, you lose it. Because we're stewards of those spiritual gifts. And we must use our spiritual gifts, according to Peter, to minister to other people, to serve other people. Every spiritual gift is for service. Every single one that the Holy Spirit gives us is to serve others. Every single spiritual gift, according to Peter, is for service. And Peter doesn't go, doesn't bother in trying to list all the possible spiritual gifts. He says there's a variety of them. It means there's a whole bunch of them. It means that not even just the ones that Paul lists are the limits of the spiritual gifts. They go beyond that list. 
They go beyond that limit. But Peter says that there are two types of spiritual gift. And there are only two types of spiritual gift. I've heard a lot of teaching over the years about, you know, this is a, 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 a power gift and this is a talent gift or, you know, all kinds of stuff. That's all been really, it, it's well-meaning, but it's not biblical. So Peter biblically says there are two types of spiritual gifts. One type is speaking. The other type is serving. And every spiritual gift comes under one of those categories. Either it's a speaking gift that invites you to speak something. What would that be? Speaking in tongues, interpretation of tongues, the gift of prophecy, word of knowledge, word of wisdom, uh, uh, and on and on. And then there's a serving gift. And what are the serving gifts? Those are leadership, uh, helps, mercy, uh, service itself. There's a number of serving gifts. It's speaking or it's serving. And if you speak, you speak it like you're speaking God's words, the oracles of God, the very words of God, because in some cases you will be. And if it's a serving gift, you serve with the strength that God provides. There's a diversity of gift. The Holy Spirit wants to give all of us a gift, at least one, maybe more than one. You'll get them if you want to step out to use them. And one of the best ways to get a gift is put yourself in a place where you need it. So if you want to get a gift, find somebody who needs prayer and say, I want to pray for you. And then maybe God will give you a word of knowledge or a gift of healing. Gift of healing is a serving gift. Word of knowledge is a speaking gift. So we have all this diversity of spiritual gifts and we learn that we have to be stewards of the gift, that the gifts, the purpose of the gift are to serve and to bring glory to God in everything through Jesus Christ. That's the purpose. We minister to others and bring glory to God through Jesus. Minister to others, bring glory to God through Jesus. Boy, that sounds like bless others and witness to Jesus. And that's why God's given us the spiritual gifts, to bless others and witness to Jesus. So we have a mission, bless others, witness to Jesus. And we have superpowers, focus, discipline, prayer, uh, hospitality, love, spiritual gifts. And we need to put these into place, start using our spiritual powers. Because as Peter says at the beginning, the end of all things is at hand. Our time is running out. We must engage with the mission that God has given us. In whatever form that we express it, it boils down to the same thing. Bless others, witness to Jesus, so that the kingdom of God advances into all the world. That's our mission. The church doesn't exist for us. It exists for the world around us. It doesn't exist for us. It exists for the glory of Jesus. And in the process, we get a blessing. There's nothing wrong with us getting blessed. But that's not the purpose. That's not the focus. So we engage in the mission, but we have to engage in the mission only using or using the grace-based superpowers that God has given us. They are expressions of grace. And right now, you need to be thinking, okay, Lord, how do you want me to apply one of these superpowers this week? How can I 
How can I make my prayers more disciplined and focused? How can I be loving to cover over sins instead of exposing people's sins? How can I show hospitality? Lord, give me a new spiritual gift that I can use this week in a surprising and uh, exciting way. And we have to understand that we have everything we need. We have the grace of God in Christ Jesus. We have the spirit of God living inside of us. We've been set free from the power of sin, death, and hell by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. We have all of this supplied to us fully by God's grace and by God's mercy so that to everything belongs glory and dominion to Jesus forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray together. Gracious God, thank you so much. Thank you for giving us these superpowers by which we can carry out the mission you've given us as well to bless people and witness to Jesus. Lord, I pray for a fresh outpouring of your Holy Spirit upon us right now. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come and start showing people the gift that you desire to give them and how to use it this week. We invite you, Holy Spirit. Or maybe it's a gift you've already given to someone. Maybe it's a gift they're currently using or a gift that they need to fan into flame. Show us all that gift right now, Lord. Speak it into our hearts and our minds along with how you want us to use it. Father God, I pray that you'd awaken in our hearts a longing for these superpowers to be manifested in our midst. Not only spiritual gifts, but also focused, disciplined prayer, love, hospitality, love that covers over a multitude of sins, hospitality, and the spiritual gifts. Awaken in us a hunger, a desire, and not only that, Lord, let us see it begin to be fulfilled and help us to push into it even more. Help us not to back down, help us not to resist but help us to move forward into the reality. Speak to us now, Lord. Holy Spirit, come fall upon us. Fill us afresh and anew. Receive all that God has for you through Jesus Christ. Receive all that God has for you through Jesus. Receive all that God has for you through Jesus. No matter how scary or uncertain, receive it. Thank you, God, for your grace and your mercy, for the love you've lavished on us, the love through Jesus that covers our sins by the blood of Jesus so that we are forgiven before you. We love you and we praise you. We pray all these things through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen.
Let's join in singing.